Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to a day of prayer. Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 and 7 say, And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. So one of the ways that our family puts that into practice is through our morning Bible study. This is the time where we come together as a family and study the Word of God and seek out the Scriptures and also listen to the Holy Spirit to see what He has to say to us so that He may teach us the things that are important to Him and then we likewise can share them with our children and as a family. So welcome to today's lesson, which will start in 1 Samuel and pick up in chapter 14. And welcome to our home. We hope you enjoy your time with us and the Spirit of God ministers to you. So before we get started, our son Promise is going to open us up in prayer. So go for it, Promise. God, I thank you for just showing us your word and allowing us to giving us way to giving us ways to remember you and just blessing us and making a path that we can escape on. When we need trial. And God, I also thank you for making it where that there's not a trial too great that we can't face. Mm-hmm. And then, Jesus, amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. All right. So, who would like to volunteer to begin reading chapter 14? Verse 1 through 23. Wow. Yeah, right. That's a good little... Oh, that's a good size chapter. It's a okay. good chunk, yeah. All right, let's rock and roll. Who's reading? Bobby. I will. Right. Now it happened one day that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the Philistines' garrison that is on the other side. But he did not tell his father. And Saul was sitting in the outskirts of... Gabea under a pomegranate tree, which is in Magron. The people who were with him were about 600 men. Ahijah, the son of Ahitub, Ichabod's brother, the son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh, was wearing an ephod. But the people did not know that Jonathan had gone. Up, had gone. Between the passes by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistines' garrison, there was a sharp rock on one side and a sharp rock on the other. And the name of one of them was Bozes, and the other, Sina. Mm-hmm. The, front of, the front of one faced northward opposite Michmash, and the other one faced opposite Gebeah. Then Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us. For nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. So his armor bearer said to him, 
Do all that is in your heart. Go then, here I am with you, according to your heart. Then Jonathan said, Very well, let us cross over to these men, and we will show ourselves to them. If they say thus to us, Wait till we come, wait until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place and not go up to them. But if they say thus, Come up to us, then we will go up, for the Lord has delivered them into our hand, and this will be a sign between us. So both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines. And the Philistines said, Look, the Hebrews are coming out of the holes which they, where they have hidden. Then the men of the garrison called to Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, Come up to us, and we will show you something. And Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Come up after me, for the Lord has delivered them into the hand of Israel. And Jonathan climbed up on his hands and knees with his armor bearer after him. And they fell before Jonathan, and as he came after him, his armor-bearer killed them. That first side which Jonathan and his armor-bearer made was about twenty men within half an anchor of land. Hmm. And there was trembling in the camp, in the field, and among all the people. The garrison and the raiders also trembled, and the earth quaked, so that it was a very great trembling. Now the watchmen of Saul and Gabeah Benjamin looked, and there was a multitude melting away, and they went here and there. Then Saul said to the people who were with him, Now call the roll and see who has gone out from us. And when they called the roll, surprisingly, Jonathan and his armor bearer were not there. And the Lord said to... Wait, and Saul said... And, oh, sorry. And Saul said to Ahijah, Bring the ark of God here. For at that time, the ark of God was with the children of Israel. Now it happened, while Saul talked to the priests, that the noise which came from the camp of the Philistines continued to increase. So Saul said to the priests, Withdraw your hand. Then Saul and all the people who were with them assembled, and they went to the battle. Indeed, every man's sword was against his neighbors, and there was very great confusion. Moreover, the Hebrews who were with the Philistines before that time, who went up with them into the camp from the surrounding country, they also joined the Israelites who were with Saul and Jonathan. Likewise, all the men of Israel who were hidden in the mountains of Ephraim. And when they heard that the, that the Philistines fled, they also followed hard after them in the battle. So the Lord saved Israel that day, and the battle shifted to Beth-Avon. There's a lot in there. Mm -hmm. What did everybody get out of it? Especially in light of, we didn't talk about this too much yesterday, the, um, the end of chapter 13. Because if you recall correctly, they didn't have any weapons except for Saul and Jonathan. The only weapons, if you will, that they had were sickles and plowshares and mattocks and axes. That the Philistines had to sharpen. But those were not weapons. Those were just tools for their work to provide for their families. So, what did you get out of all this, especially in light of that? There was two things I noticed. The first one was one. I also noticed that when he said, 
For nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. You cannot see here that the, Jonathan had his trust in the Lord and wasn't looking at the physical nature of things. He knew that the Lord does not the Lord doesn't need us to look like we're gonna win. He just needs us to do what he says. There doesn't have to be a clear okay, we have more numbers. He just says, Do what I say and then you win every time. It doesn't matter about what you have or where you are. Mm-hmm. So he wants our trust. And because yes. we trust him we obey what he tells us to do. Yes. And the second thing I found interesting was that Saul yet again he said, Bring the ark of God here. It's the same thing that happened in with the Israelites in I believe it was chapter four. Mm-hmm. When they're asking for the ark and Phineas and Hophni brought it to the battle. You can see the same thing here and like Dad was saying he still didn't acquire the Lord before doing it. He went off by himself and did it because he thought that's what he should have done. It's like with the warning, not the warning, the thing that Samuel told him that he was going to lose the kingdom, Saul didn't turn around and repent. But he continued to go forward in whatever he was doing and what he wanted to do. There was no repentance. It was actually a hardening of his heart, and he went forward more. Hmm. That's interesting. That is interesting. Yeah. I don't disagree with you, sir. I think that's something that's, that's sound. Never so talks about Saul repenting, even after, you know, he gets a word of rebuke and admonishment from Samuel. But look at what he says even in, in verse 19, right? Well, first 18, he says, bring the ark of God here, right? Um, not... Not seeking the Lord first, what do you? What would you have us do, right? Will yes. you? Will you come? Will you fight on our behalf? Right. There was no inquiry into the Lord. But then, yes, the people are. Um, what do you call it? While Saul was talking to the priests, as the noise which is in the camp of the Philistines continued to increase. Well, we already saw that play out, like you said, in our earlier chapter. They were. Uh, only it was the opposite. It was the Israelites that were getting rowdy and, and all that, right? Where the Philistines were like, oh, okay, well, that's, that's the Ark of God. And, uh, yeah, they also tried to encourage themselves, right? Um, yes. Have it off of feelings, off emotions. So, but then you also have here where Saul says, withdraw your hand. Let it go. We're going to do this, right? Uh, essentially, uh, that's how I interpret that. Telling the Lord, hey, I've got this. I just need you to, he- to be here. How many times do we do that in our own lives? Right, because then Saul goes down and, and assembles and they go to battle. And, um, but it wasn't that Saul actually won the victory. It says very plainly that the Lord saved Israel that day. He created confusion in the camp of the Philistines, which is what prompted the battle. And you could look at this and and even come to the conclusion that the Lord did it because He moved on Jonathan's behalf, right? As you as you yes. pointed out, the uh, Charles. If you notice what He says, right, sounds very similar to what David says later on, right? 
Let's go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised, right, the Philistines, uh, that the Lord, it may be that the Lord will work for us. For nothing restrains the Lord by from saving by many or by few. Clearly, took a page out of uh, what was written in history or discussed in history about Gideon and how Gideon, as in Judges 7, only had 300 people. Or said, just take 300 and the Lord still gave them victory. It's significant. And also, if you look at the similarities between Jonathan and David, you could also come to the conclusion that that is why they were, I'll say, kindred spirits, that they loved each other. It wasn't so much their love for each other, but they had the same type of love, similar type of love for the Lord, right? Not just about saying the same things. So how they approach things. They put their, they didn't just talk about the Lord, but they put their faith in action. Especially in the most trying times, the circumstances, and situations. Mm-hmm. That is why they were close. Because they were both close or close in, in wanting to, their desire was to walk in and please the Lord. So yes, good job. Anyone else? Anybody notice also Jonathan's, uh, how he put his faith in action? He didn't hide in the shadows and say, hey, we're going to go attack these people like bandits. Sneak up on them, right? It was, we're going to come plain and open, which is counter to how, if you can avoid it, any military unit would move. Right? Move under what? Cover of darkness or in the shadows or camouflage yourselves, whatever. You just said, hey, we're just going to call out and, and reveal ourselves in our position. Faith, hope, trust, everything was in the Lord. He would move on their behalf. That he would give them the victory. Right? Yes. So, it's also an example for us on how we should live our lives. Regardless of what the situation is or what it looks like or how many or whatever comes against us, tries to attack us, whatever the case is. We already have the victory in Christ. We have to trust, depend on him to bring it to pass, to give us the victory. He already says that he's given it, right? We already have the victory in Christ. We move from victory to victory in Christ Jesus. Only in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. You going to say something, honey? No, go ahead. Okay. What else? What else did anybody get out of this? Or does anybody want to share? You
Okay. What's up? I was also I also found it kind of interesting, like in verse three, like when I was naming the priests. I just found it quite interesting because instead of I, we have to look at what chapter that was. Yes, in verse in chapter two. When he was talking about how Eli would not have a priest and they'd be begging, I found it interesting that here that the priest that Saul had was a relative of Eli, like Phineas. Okay. Mm -hmm. I just found that quite interesting. Eli's grandson. Mm -hmm. Okay. How so? Why did he choose that one? Because the Lord already made it clear that. They weren't supposed to be priests because he said that in chapter two. How come Saul kept them where they were? Well, it wasn't up. It was not up to Saul. It would be Samuel mm -hmm. because he was over. Roughly, he was a prophet of the Lord. Over those things. And a judge of Israel up mm -hmm. until Saul took over as king, right? And yes. even still, he was clearly still in some authority and guiding because he was guiding Saul. So, um, which is an element that you see, there's a high, there's a, a prophet of the Lord while there's a king, right? Mm -hmm. You see them, that's who anoints, that's who says you're going to be the king um, for quite some time in, in Israel's history. After we switched over from the judges and the high priest judging, then it was the prophet of the Lord and a king. Um, and the, the prophet was clearly... Yes, the king was the king, but the prophet was the one that said, this is what God said and anointed the next king or the king or delivered the word of the Lord to them, et cetera, et cetera. Well, God has mercy on whom he'll have mercy. You need something, God? You want to say something, John? I was going to just point out that the Lord never said that they can't serve him anymore. He said, Eli, you won't have a male child past this age. You won't have a surviving Male. They'll be and cut they'll off just, in the flower. Yes, they'll die. Not okay. that he won't have them. They'll just die. Well, I think he's saying in service. That's right. Yes. Because clearly, um, Ichabod was born, right? As his yes. parent, his mother was dying. And clearly, they had, they had other children, because here's his brother's son. Um, that is. I thought maybe it was one of the people Phineas was messing with. Well, whomever. Who, however they're related, you know, they, that's still um, Phineas's son, whatever, whether they have the same mother or not, that's still his child. And um, Ichabod was the last one that she gave birth to, the mother gave birth to. And seeing as Phineas died, he didn't produce anyone after that, you know. Yes. Even if they had been, you know, pregnant at the same time or whatnot, it would have been relatively short after that time frame. But the Lord also tells us that he judges each man based on his own works. Exactly. There's a difference between God offering grace to an individual and allowing them to have an opportunity, right? Versus God saying, because you serve me, I am going to work through your offspring and I'm going to make sure that you have people that come after you that will follow me. 
I'm going to continue to minister to them and work on their heart. You stay in covenant with me, and I'm going to take care of these offspring of yours to make sure that they continue to walk in my ways. Um, that's, a, that's actually a promise that, and a covenant that we have with God as believers. He says, uh, we just read Deuteronomy 6, verse 7 in particular, that said to teach your children his ways. And so when we honor him, he honors us by seeing them through. Right, that that's that's what separates us out from looking like the world. The world has offspring that look like whatever. You might get a believing one out of there every once in a while, but who knows what you're going to get? But when you're a child of the Most High God and you serve Him and you honor Him, He says that He'll honor those who honor Him. I believe we read that. He said that to Eli concerning his children. Why do you honor them ahead of me? Why do you put your kids? In front of me i honor those who honor me so he's already telling us if you do what's right by me i'll make sure these kids are taken care of i'll keep them walking in the way because he knows how to minister to each one of us he knows our hearts and he'll, he'll bless us with the lineage that will walk after him but if we don't then the opportunity is open for who knows what kind of children and more often than not it's going to be the believing child is the rarity versus the unbe unbelieving child being a rarity or non-existent in the lineage. So if one of these men, um, or if this man in particular had been walking after the Lord, God would absolutely give him a chance and be kind to him and gracious because he's not going to, he, each man receives from the Lord based on his own works. God has said that time after time throughout the scriptures. He doesn't go, your dad did something wrong, so I'm going to put that on you because that would be unjust. You have no choice about that when God is all about our will and serving him. So what happens, though, is that he says, I don't care if you're, you become an old man. If you're still in your wickedness, you're going to be dealt with accordingly. God does not um, wink his eye at sin. And a systematic approach to sinning is wickedness, doing it repeatedly, full face knowing what's right and what's wrong, and continuing in those actions is iniquity. And he does not go, well, you're old now, so you're okay, never mind. It only counts when you're young. Absolutely not. There are wicked old men in this world, and have been. There are wicked old women. There are wicked young women. There are wicked young men. So that's when God addresses things. He's not punishing children for their parents because that would be unjust. And he is a just God. We know he's just. But he's saying, if you're old, I don't care if you've gone through the ages and you still remain in your wickedness. I didn't forget. I'm not going to allow that to escape. Now, when we come and repent and we put that under the blood of Jesus, he said it, he throws it in the sea of forgetfulness. As far as the east is from the west, mm -hmm. he'll re remember our sins no more. Mm -hmm. But you have to come through the way that he's already prescribed and pointed out. There's no um, back doors and back handling of things. Because God is just and he is holy. Come by the way that he set about, that he appointed for us. And we have no problems in the way of there's not going to be him going, well, I don't know about your sin. Well, no. He said what he said and he meant what he meant. He meant what he said. So, so the, the other thing that's interesting here, we talked about victory, right? And coming to the Lord in faith and all that. Jonathan 
Well, the Lord is the one that gave the victory. Mm-hmm. But he gave it as a result of Jonathan mm-hmm. and his faith, right? Because as Saul was looking over the Philistines, they were already melting away, which mm-hmm. means they were already fleeing. He hadn't done anything. He had not yet done anything. But his son, unbeknownst to him, his son had, well, gone to the Lord, acted in faith, and secured the victory. And the Lord was moving on Jonathan's behalf, not on Saul's behalf. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting. But also, again, an example for us. It's not just about a title or a position or a place or whatever that gives us importance or, or gives us victory. The Lord uses the, the foolish to confound the wise, right? Uh, the weak defeat the strong in the Lord. Well, why? He's looking for people that have faith in Him. Right? He says, when I return, will I find faith on the earth? Will I find people moving forward in the things of me that have a heart towards Him, right? Putting their, uh, living a life of obedience, right? Obedience being faith in action. So, we see that already here. When the Lord moved on the behalf of Jonathan, not that he was anybody, not just because he was the king's son, but because he had determined in his heart to put his faith in the Lord, his hope, his trust, everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can see him releasing his faith. and um, You don't see that on the side of Saul. You don't see that on the side of the people. Look at verse 22. Uh, the men of Israel who are still hiding in caves or and gone back to hiding in caves. Well, that's an issue. Where's your faith? How are they standing? They're not. They're hiding. They're cowering. There's fear, which is not of the Lord. Mm-hmm. So, Put your faith, hope, and trust in the Lord. Move forward in the things of Him and what He says to do. Mm-hmm. You can also see God's, God has a, a promise to Israel to defend them. And mm-hmm. all He needs is one person to open the door, one believer to trust Him. And whereas Saul wasn't a vessel that he could use at the moment, Jonathan made himself available. And God was able and desired to, but was able to still keep his promise because he always has a remnant. He always has someone mm-hmm. in the earth that will serve him, that will trust him, that will believe him and open the door for him to work in the earth and work on their behalf. So that's a, an admonition to us. Keep your heart open to him. Be that vessel that God can use to get his will and his plan across in the earth. Exactly. Be that vessel. And then the armor bearer came into alignment with it. Mm-hmm. Right? So, wherever two or three gathered, there he is in the midst. Mm-hmm. So you see the Lord, right, fulfilling his word. Yeah. Even in this. But clearly he moved on the armor bearer's heart like he had. Exactly. The, the children of Israel before where they came together in one, one accord and one voice. You know, that is, that is a sign of the Lord. Not people joining together in wrongdoing. But joining together in unity, because he's the only one that can unify the hearts of the people, that can move on them like that. 
absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Let's stop there for today. Okay. Set the pause button. We'll do a today will be a shorter shorter day. Those are incredibly important to our lives, right? Just putting our faith, our hope, our trust in the Lord. Walking in Him, walking in His ways. Yes, in faith, but obedience, because that's faith in action. Mm-hmm. And coming closer to the Lord, as a, for us individually, right? Not through someone else, whether they're a king or a priest, or knowing the Lord for who He is. Us individually knowing him for who he is, a personal, deep, intimate relationship with the Lord. That's what he desires within each and every one of us. That's also what we should desire to have with him for ourselves, not through anyone else. All right? Second Chronicles 16.9 says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Mm-hmm. Let your heart be loyal to God as you're going. And that loyalty is demonstrated through faith, which is also trust, and doing those things that God has already said are pleasing to him. It's relatively easy when you think about it. So keep that in mind and keep trusting God and moving forward. Amen. Let's close out in prayer. Kyla? All right, Kyla. In in your name, Lord Jesus, Lord, we thank you for today, God. We thank you for working on our behalf, God, and showing us an example of what that looks like and that you give us a measure of faith, but you also allow it to grow, God, and you make it easy for us to understand and comprehend. You don't withhold yourself from us. I ask that you continue to guide us, God, and you give me wisdom and make it easy for me to comprehend how... To grow my faith, God. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. And then exercise your faith just like you do your your regular muscles. See it in the word of God. Commit to whatever you say, God, is the truth. I believe it, and it's settled. I don't take anybody else's opinion on it. What you tell me is enough, Jesus. And then you go about and do whatever it is that he puts in your heart to do and do what the word says. That's how you grow your faith, my love. God bless you, everyone. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, take care and God bless you.